My name is Anthony O'Connell, Upper Feast. Thank you so much for listening. I'm a man with a high voice. I moved to New York City to pursue stand-up comedy, started a food blog in the Upper East Side of Manhattan, recently moved back to Columbus, Ohio, and decided to start a podcast. I'll be interviewing people that love to Upper Feast, people in the service industry, restaurant owners, foodies, comedians, anyone who loves food, I'll be talking to him. Brad Kaplan and I open up with Feaster Pass, rate it one to feast. We talk about what inspired him to start his cookie business, Line Cubs Cookies. How do they deliver their cookies so hot and fresh? What separates his cookie from others? They're getting a physical location soon. We'd love to see a cookie ice cream collab with him and Jenny's ice cream and more. My name is Brad Kaplan. I am the founder of Line Cubs Cookies and there's a lot going on with us. I'm, I'm assuming we'll get into a ton of that here yep. shortly. I used to be a civil engineer, cookie maker now. 30 years old, enjoying life. Well, yeah, so we definitely are 100% going to get into that. But I, I first like to start off with uh, Feast or Pass, boneless chicken wings. Oh, Feast, easily. I mean, l- let me get let me get it out there that it, it's a tough decision when you ask the question of is like, okay, is it what's better, bone in or boneless? And it really just depends what day of the week. But every Monday, I get boneless wings with my roommate. So I got nothing against boneless wings. They're easy to eat. You know, they're, they're technically healthier if that, if you want to make yourself feel better about eating wings, it's at least like the, the, the breast of the chicken. So definite feast. Okay, cool. Cause yeah, some people are like, call them like generic nuggets or like they, at least when I post, I get a lot of riffraff making fun of the boneless wings. What about when it comes to regular wings, drums or flats? Oh, that's an, that's an easy one too. And I think I might be in the minority here. I, I hear people ordering wings a lot and they'll be like, I want flat that's only and to me it's so easy i'm like drums every time and it comes down to two things one they're way easier to eat i don't have to like fight with this awkward bone in the middle and number two they dip in the ranch much much easier which maybe brings up another question ranch or blue cheese that was exactly my next question (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm team ranch team ranch i'm team ranch where do you where do you stand I honestly, I, I genuinely like both, but if I had to choose, I would choose blue cheese, but I'm not anti-ranch. People hate ranch. I love it. I think any kind of dip, I'm into it. Yeah. I'm not anti-blue cheese. I just strongly prefer ranch. And it's weird because I don't like ranch as like a salad dressing. I really like it only as a dipping sauce or as like an accent to a wrap or something. Yeah. Same. So now we're going to do a quick little uh, one to feast. It's like a one to five scale, but instead of five, we say feast. A cookie dipped in milk, one to feast. Feast, every time, every time. Especially a warm one, you can't beat that. And then you get those little drops that drop at the bottom of the cup. And then you get there, it's just like this beautiful, like cookie, milky, whateverness, and it's great. Hell yeah. One time I actually crumbled up a cookie, put it right in the milk and ate it with a spoon like a madman, but it was kind of- You're not alone. I promise you there's people out there that have done that. (laughs) Now, what about dipping a cookie in coffee? I'm not a coffee drinker. I actually, as you take a drink of what might be coffee. No, that was definitely coffee for sure. Yeah. So I, I, there's two things. I don't really like the flavor of coffee, one. And then two, I don't like caffeine. So I'll drink tea from time to time, especially if I'm meeting with someone over business, especially- but I always ask for the tea that doesn't have any caffeine. The tea, caffeine just gives me like the shakes and it makes me sweat. So are you just naturally hyper or do you get a lot of rest? Like, how do you get your, how do you get your hype on? I don't, I think I definitely get a a solid seven to eight hours every night. And then I eat breakfast every morning pretty religiously. So I think between those two things that I'm usually feeling pretty good. 
And then I also, one of the first things I do in the morning is I usually make music first thing after I wake up and then I eat. So you kind of just wake up by doing that. I usually make it for at least a half hour in the morning every day, then breakfast, I'm good to go. That's incredible discipline, man. Like not only are you running a successful cookie company, but you're also like making music in your spare time. I think that's incredible. Yeah, it exercises a, a different side of my brain, I think, than running a business does. And it's kind of like this neat little escape. It keeps you super creative, I imagine. And speaking of creative, your cookies, I feel like are very creative combinations, really interesting, fun flavors. Now, how do you come up with your with your combos? So they're all predicated off of a base recipe, which I came up with, you know, I don't know, finalized about a year ago. And at this point, my pastry chef, Deanna, actually comes up with the, the vast majority of our new recipes because once upon a time, I gave her the base and, you know, she's a talented enough baker. She's actually an extremely talented baker where she can take that and she knows what to add and subtract in order to come up with new cookies that are both interesting, but are both visually, texturally, and taste-wise similar to our other cookies. So I can't take all the credit for, for that. I, I come up with maybe 10% of the new ones. She comes up with 90% of the ones. Now we all taste them and we all, especially her and I, we will offer suggestions to each other on how to change things if need be. But sometimes she just nails it first try or sometimes I nail it first try and that's how we come up with new ones. So what made you want to start a cookie business? Like, did you just enjoy baking at home and you were like, Hey, I'm kind of good at this. Let's see what I can do to monetize this. Prior to making cookies, I didn't bake anything. I was really a stereotypical guy in that I, I lived around making, you know, steak and potatoes for lack of a better term. Meats, I lived on the grill. I had a smoker in my backyard. And for whatever reason, in November of 2018, I decided to make some pumpkin cookies. So I Googled a recipe and that just kicked off everything. And the, after I made that first batch, I'm like, well, that was good, but I feel like it could be better. And then it was just like that cycle of, well, that was good, but I think it could be better. And then after two months straight of doing that, I, I'd land on something that was kind of unique. And I thought I had enough experience in life where I'm like, you know, I think I'm smart enough to pull this off. I think these cookies are really good. And oh, by the way, where I live in Columbus right now, there's nothing even close to this. So why can't I be the one to, to share this with others. I'm like, everyone needs to try this. And that's where it all started. That's awesome, man. Now I, like I used to live in New York, so I feel like Levain is a little similar. Mm -hmm. Would you say that you drew inspiration from them or? Some people don't believe this, but I, I'd never heard of Levain until I started baking. And that's because I, especially with, with digital technology, like with your phones, like, like I have a Google phone, for example. And your newsfeed feeds you stuff that it knows you're going to be interested in based on stuff that you search. So I had no reason to ever be searching out cookie stuff. So Google had no reason to be feeding me cookie stuff until I started making cookies all the time. So about probably two to three months after I started baking regularly, you know, my phone picks up on the fact that I'm looking for recipes and I'm talking about it because, you know, your phone's listening to you, newsflash. Oh, yeah. So eventually I, I find out what Levain Cookies is and I make it a point to when I go to New York about six or seven months after I started making these cookies, of course, I stopped there and I tried it. And I tried a couple other places similar in New York, like Chip. Mm -hmm. So just to kind of see what their cookies were like, there's definitely some similarities or some subtle differences, but I, I don't really draw anything from them, to be honest. I, I think I, I certainly envy what they've done. I mean, it's nothing short of incredible what 
what Levain has done, and especially their recent move into going in the grocery store. So they're really trying to expand. And, and you know, they're the OGs in the, in the cookie space. There's nothing I can do to take that away from them. Is that a goal for you? Would you like to someday end up in like a Kroger or Meyer, Walmart, whatever? I don't know. I, right now, I'm pretty hell-bent on keeping it fresh and served warm. So people ask me all the time, are you going to start shipping cookies? And the answer right now is a, a big no, because I think it, 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 it's a big step away from why I started the company. It was to give people fresh cookies, which in my mind was the way cookies should be served. As we grow in years, I might change that opinion, but for now I'm, I'm sticking to that. That's fair, man. Your, your warm, fresh cookies are like a hug. It's very comforting, super delicious. Being that you're wildly popular, like I see on your Instagram, you're, you're constantly selling out like a it's just really incredible. But do you have a difficulty delivering those hot and fresh to the customer? Hey, just wanted to say thank you so much for listening so far. If you're liking it, please subscribe, tell a friend. If you're loving it, please give us a five-star review. Not really. We've gotten pretty good at that. And it's not, there's a reason why a lot of restaurants don't do delivery. And one of them is the reason you just said that can they get food to the customers in the way that they'd normally serve it in their restaurant, still fresh. And luckily cookies big cookies especially are things that travel well and maintain their heat and their texture we also do some interesting things to keep those warm uh, things i won't let's call them trade secrets yeah there we go and, and the reason it's not hard for us is because when we decide to go into delivery every decision we are making along the way was keeping in mind that we had to keep these fresh so that was something that we were never going to depart from so our whole system was built around how can we keep these fresh? We don't reheat anything. We They come out of the oven and we keep them warm until they get to you. That's awesome. So now when you're out at a bar or something, or maybe even through Instagram or whatever, do, are people constantly pitching you cookie ideas? All the time. But <laughs> And that's actually what, what makes us unique is we don't shy away from, we solicit cookie ideas. We ask people, what do you want us to make next? And then we make it. And it's that connection is part of what makes us really unique. Our customers know that we're listening to them and that we want to do what they want us to do. So I think some brands are a little bit closed-minded and, and they don't see the value in, in creating that connection with their customers in the way that we do. So I welcome those ideas. And there's been plenty of times, documented times, where we actually take those ideas and run with them. That's really cool. Now, would you do you have like an idea of like of a flavor that you really thought would be successful and it tanked? Like there's something you were really excited about, but it didn't really hit like you hoped? We haven't had anything tank, luckily. The day is going to come. We've definitely had cookies that have not performed as well as I thought they would, but we haven't had anything tank. One of the flavors that comes to mind, and this flavor is amazing. Ask anyone that tried it, ask any one of our employees, but the maple bacon cookie that we released, I think three or four weeks ago, it's part of our fall lineup maple of course yeah and it, it's unbelievable it is so freaking good i had a feeling it would not sell as well as some of our other feature cookies had because i think just the simple fact that bacon turns some people off yeah and i think that's really what it was but you ask anyone that tried that it was out of control good <laughs> that's awesome um so well i now i gotta i want to ask you some more general questions i'm assuming you eat out and i know it's like challenging time to eat out now but what, what would you say when you're the customer, what makes a great dining experience? Like for a sit down or just anywhere? For a sit down. Okay. So you're really taking me out of my comfort zone here. I do not get out of the house much. And when I do eat, it's usually at a fast casual. But when I do, I do sit down from time to time. And to me, 
the, the biggest thing that makes a, a, a pleasurable dining experience is really, it has to do with, with, with the servers, you know, the waiter, the waitress, I think the more attentive they are and the more, the more friendly they are, the, the better. I mean, the food is usually going to be good. I mean, if the food's bad, then yeah, that sucks, but that doesn't happen very often. Right. So I think it's the more attentive the waiter is, it really makes it for a pleasant experience. And I, I tend to, I tip very, very well, especially when, when I get that good service. So I'll use, I'll tip 40, 50% if, if I'm happy, which usually I am. So, you know, that, that extra couple of dollars is no big deal to me, but you know, if everyone did that, it would make a huge impact to some of these servers. And for those that do a really good job, I think they deserve that. That's incredible. Now, have you been in the service industry before? Like, have you ever been a server yourself? I would, I did catering in college. And I, my first ever job was in the food industry, but I was working at a smoothie shop. So I wasn't really a server, but it was always cool when someone left a really nice tip. And then with catering, I did kind of some serving stuff, kind of not, you know, kind of varied day by day. So, but I always appreciate someone who goes out of their way to, to do the little things. They're, they're making sure that you have all the silverware you need. They're making sure your water's filled up They're they're, they're making sure your order's good. Uh, I, I respect that. So now you say you don't eat out a lot. Is it because of Corona or even like pre-end of times you weren't a big eater outer? It really just, it has really had nothing to do with Corona. I, I eat out more during Corona just because I, I, two reasons. One, I know how hard small business owners are, are working right now to do well. So if I can support some of those people, especially some of the people that I know well, then I'm happy to do so. B, I'm, I'm a little busier right now with the company, so I don't have as much time to cook as I used to. So I probably eat out a few more meals a week than I typically would. Yeah, absolutely. Now on the other end of the spectrum, do you have a story you can think of of like a worse dining experience? Oh man, I'm not going to name any. You have to name names. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> There's a couple. I, I haven't had too many terrible ones. Uh, there was one recently, it was a couple of weeks ago. We went out. And we, it was me and my roommate and we sat down and there was a ton of waiters there. There were not that many people at the restaurant. So they sat us down and probably like 15 minutes passed before anyone came over. That's crazy. And so then my roommate, he went up to the bartender. He's like, Hey, can we place an order? And the bartender was kind of, he was a little bit rude about it too. He's like, Oh, you gotta do that with your waiter. And my roommate's like, well, no one's really come to our table yet. Can we just place it with you? He's like, Oh, let me go talk to someone. And like another like 10 minutes passed and they came out and took our order. And then it took about another 15 minutes to bring water. So it was like, you know, 35 minutes till we got some water. That's crazy. And then the food took a really long time too. So it took like a half hour. Now that said, I think the, the place was newer. So I didn't like beat him up over it, but at the end of the day, objectively, it wasn't a great experience, but I've been back and I've had a much better experience since then. So I, I attribute it to growing pains and I know how it goes. Like I have a restaurant, you're not firing on all cylinders right away. So I want the, the server to at least say hello, or like, I'll be with you in a minute. Like it, cause yeah, for I, sure. I'm very impatient in general, but like, it just takes 10 seconds. Like I'll be with you in a minute or like, at least acknowledge that I, that I'm there now. Do you cook at home ever? Do you have any, do you have any fun, like your best cooking experience at home? Oh yeah. I mean, I cook a ton back in the day. I really used to get after it <laughs> and I've had a lot of fun with my smoker, but I think one of the coolest things I ever made was about a, right after I moved to Columbus, like three years ago, I made this beef brajol for the first time and it was, it was incredible. Right. So good. I don't know if you ever had brajol, but it's amazing. I have had it. It is super delicious. I'm a fan. <laughs> what about worst cooking experiences? Oh God. 
yeah, there's one that comes to mind. When I first got my smoker back in college, I bought a brisket, a whole one. And if you know anything about brisket, it's not cheap. So I got this $70 hunk of meat and <laughs> in college. So that's like <laughs> right. that's a lot of money at that time. And I, I just completely messed it up. I should have just left it in the smoker longer, but I ended up throwing it away because I thought it was just ruined. Really, it was just way underdone. It wasn't even close to done, but I'm like, well, the thing said, cook it for 12 hours. I cooked it for 12 hours, but it was cooking at way too low of a temperature. So it just needed like another six hours cooked at the temperature it should have been at, but I was dumb and inexperienced. So I took this 70 piece of meat and in shame because I didn't want anyone to see how poor it looked because it was supposed to be done. I just took it out to the dumpster and threw it away before anyone could look at it. Oh, it's so heartbreaking, especially like that cost you so much money and you said to toss it right into the trash. I know. And all I had to do was just like turn the temperature up on the smoker and let it go a little longer. But I was 22 years old and I was dumb and I was just reading the directions verbatim. I'm like, well, it said 12 hours at what I think is 225 degrees. It wasn't 225 degrees. That wasn't my fault. And I threw it away. Dumb me. <laughs> Oh, man. Okay, so let's get back into cookie time. I'm down. What would you say separates your cookie from any other cookie that someone could get in Columbus? If we're talking about the cookie, we're talking about the cookie, right? Yep. Okay. Because some people ask me, what separates your company from other people? And that's a different answer. What separates our cookie is it goes back to the, the level of detail that we pay. Like we pay so much attention to the quality of the cookie when you, the customer gets it. Like people are, are like shocked, like, oh my God, it's still warm. And it's not like one of those things where it's like, oh, that's kind of warm. It's like, no, this is very, very warm when it gets to you. And it's, it's really, it's that, but it's also the contrast and textures that we have all in one cookie. So you probably noticed when you tried it, there's this little bit of crunch on the outside. It's there. Mm -hmm. Underneath that crunch is a totally different ball game though. So it's like this outer subtly crunchy shell, but it's not too much where it's like making like a now a loud that noise, like it's not too much for you, but underneath it's like this pillowy, soft, thick, but not too dense, not too chewy. It, it still retains a lot of its moisture mm -hmm. and it, it's just such a big difference from what's on the outside of the cookie. So it gives you kind of the best of both worlds. It's what everyone loves about that cookie when it comes out of the oven. It's like super doughy, but it doesn't give you the fear of salmonella. Right. And it's super gooey and delicious, man. It's a delicious cookie. What I like a lot about it is just the way it looks. I think aesthetically, it's very pleasing. Did yeah. you work hard to get that look? Absolutely. So yeah, it was a lot of toying around with the right cooking temperatures. And notice I said temperatures, not temperature. We, we altered the cooking temperature as we go. And it took, you know, months of getting that right to get like that nice light brown look on the outside. And then you'll notice here, there's a lot of like contouring on the outside of the cookie. It's not like this perfectly round cylindrical ball, which doesn't quite look as nice, which I see everywhere, especially with people that are shipping their cookies online. So they have, a yes, they do have a very unique look and they're super like they're thick. Like yeah. it, they have a nice amount of spread to them, but they don't have too much spread. And there, there are certain cookies that are just like straight up like a baseball. Like they don't spread enough. I'm like, dude, reduce the amount of flour you have. That's too much. So it, with a, from a lot of toying around, we got to look kind of just right. Now I'm going to go ahead and ask you the, the question you, you thought is what separates your company from other companies? I think that's a great question. From a company, it's like, okay, what do we represent to people and what makes us stick out? And I think if you point to like the Indiegogo campaign we just ran, where we hit our goal 
in 30 hours. We are at 90% of our goal within the first 12 hours. Well, what's that, what's that evidence of? That's evidence of a really, really strong and loyal following. Mm. How do you build that? You have to build a genuine connection with people. And so that's what I think makes our company different is that's one of our values. That's all of our employees share it. I think all of our customers know it is we go out of our way to have a connection with people. You hear the term engagement, like you need to create engagement. Well, I say screw engagement. Let's create a connection with people. And we, we do that in a lot of different ways. We, we create connections with people. We listen to them. They know we listen to them. They know that we're essentially an open door. They can always talk to us. We're extremely responsive on social media, which is for who our customer is. That's our main customer service channel is social media. And it's not like these, these bullshit canned responses, like where each person's question or conversation is unique and will respond to that in its own unique way that it deserves. It's not just some typed up response that we have ready to go, which I think too many companies do. Right. It's incredible. Like when I saw you, when you put your Indiegogo campaign and it like blew up instantly, like it genuinely warmed my heart that people Thanks. love you, dude. Like they, they think you're so great. And like so many Columbus content creators, I don't really want to call them food bloggers because most of them don't have food blogs, but so many Columbus content creators loved you and supported you. And like, how good did that make you feel, man? Yeah. Well, it, it made me feel great. And, and a lot of it was, you know, I, I had relationships with a lot of these bloggers going into the campaign and they when i reached out to them to help out they were they were very receptive they worked with me and they did an awesome job in promoting it i think they know how thankful i am for their help i, I don't think they would have helped they wouldn't have helped us if they didn't feel like what we were doing was unique and if there wasn't some type of good cause underlying the company that there's a group of people that are actually trying to do really good and have been working really, really hard to make people happy in a really, really weird ass time for our country. Right. With this Indiegogo campaign and you have your new brick and mortar coming up. Yeah. What do you think is going to be the biggest challenge of having a physical location instead of being delivery only? Well, delivery is the most difficult part of, of anything in the food industry. So we've got that halfway figured out. I say halfway figured out because we're going to be changing the way we do it. Once we move into our Grandview location, we're going to be becoming more advanced, but we have a really, really big step forward in that direction because we've been doing it. We've been learning all about it. But once you get into the storefront, that now just adds in another piece to manage all under one roof, creating a good experience for your customers and creating a good experience for your customers and delivery at the same time while staying organized internally. So we're, we're making a big push behind the scenes to get a lot of like, technology put in place to make sure that we stay organized because if we can't stay organized, we can't even focus on creating a good experience for the customer. So managing all of that at once is going to be a challenge, but it's a challenge that I can say confidently, I can basically guarantee it that I will guarantee it that by the time we open, we're going to have it all figured out. That's incredible. I love that confidence. And I believe you, I believe in you. Since you are so successful with the delivery only, what made you want to take the risk of having a, a physical location? So th there's a couple of different routes you can go when you're in the position we are now. And one of the routes was, okay, let's stay a delivery only company and let's operate out of a ghost kitchen or a cloud kitchen. And to me, that just, and you look at the, you look at the economics of some of these cloud kitchens and ghost kitchens, they're bizarre. They're, they're, they're outrageous. And, and so I'm like, for that price, I can have my own space. And and I can have way more space. And so I can do much more with that space. So 
that's I'm like, okay, I'm ruling out a cloud kitchen or a ghost kitchen of a place that that I don't control the lease. So I started looking at places where I would control the lease where you have a lot of space. But when you have that space there, you don't have a pickup location. And you don't have essentially the big billboard that we're going to have on Grandview Avenue, like that you get a ton of foot traffic. It's as much of a marketing tool as it is a place that people can finally come. So when you're operating out of, even if we control the lease in a, in just a production facility event, you have to draw the line somewhere with your delivery range. And I hate having to do that. It's my least favorite thing is, is having to tell people the horrible news that they're outside of our delivery range. And it, it's just, that's just, that's the shitty part in business. You sometimes have to just make decisions because we can't go everywhere. We'd go under and then there would be no cookies at all. So I wanted to have a place that people could actually come. And then there's that advertising piece, like I said, like you're on Grandview Avenue next to Jenny's and Stoffs. Like that's you're going to get a lot of people finding out about who you are just because you're there. Yeah, that's a primo location. And I actually had a conversation with, with Jenny um, on one of my earlier episodes. I think it'd be amazing if you two did a collaboration. But oh, I'd love my, to. <laughs> my question for you is, if you were to collab with her, would you envision a cookie ice cream sandwich, like your cookie cut in half ice cream in the middle or your cookies in her ice cream? That is a good question. Honestly, I think even better than, hmm. You could do, because I, I see what you're asking here. Because if you do my, I'm leaning towards my cookies and her ice cream because our cookies are served warm and that's really what makes them special. So if you create an ice cream sandwich at that, the ice cream would just, it just wouldn't hold up. The sandwich wouldn't hold up. You've, you felt the texture of our cookies. Like they're not meant for that. You need some like rigidity in an ice cream sandwich. So I don't think that would work. So if you go to our cookies and her ice cream, you could do the option of like, you know, how Cold Stone does it where they have like mix-ins and ice cream. Yeah. That's where I think the route is to go. Cause then you'd have like our fresh baked cookies, a handful for ice creams to choose from. And you could just mix those cookies right into the ice cream, like on the spot. And that's what I think the way to do it. Yeah. Cause you're then, you're then getting those, and that would kind of melt the ice cream a little bit, but like, who cares? It's getting melted with like warm Amazing cookies. Yeah. yeah. And it's like being made right in front of you on the spot. I think that would be the way to do it. I really think that would break the internet. I think that would just create amazing viral content. Of course it'd be delicious, but I'm a content guy. So I'm thinking of yeah. <laughs> and you and just seeing that right in front of you like okay let's say jenny had four ice creams available we had four cookies available and you just could pick well i want that ice cream i want the brambleberry crisp the that would be very good with the chocolate chip cookie but you know let's say i can want the darkest chocolate with a chocolate chip cookie and then you're like you're seeing that be made like right in front of you which is like part of the appeal in like cold stone but you're getting that with like two brands that are getting really unique and creative together to bring you this amazing creation that, oh, by the way, creates some really nice content and a cool experience for you. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Where do you see your company in five years? Like, do you have big, huge, lofty goals or are you just kind of taking it day by day? Like, what do you think? Both. So I, I think, I think anyone in any business should have lofty goals and you should look higher every day because if you, if you set your goals here, then you're putting a cap on on your thinking you know what i mean like you think this is the goal but if you keep thinking a little bit higher day after day uh -huh. then truly the sky is a limit it's cliche but that's kind of how you have to look at it that said in order to get there you have to take things day by day you have to still be looking ahead and you have to when you're making decisions day to day you have to be like okay is this decision scalable is this the right long-term decision but you know the main goal is is, is to grow this pretty big, but we can't do that unless we handle every step along the way appropriately. So would you say that you personally are a control freak or is it easy for you to collaborate with your team? 
it's really easy for me to collaborate with my team. I definitely, I pay attention to the very small details and things. If you ask anyone on my team, I, I nerd out for especially operational things that make, even if we can save three seconds doing something, like I'll try to find a way to save that three seconds. Because if you save up three seconds over over hundreds of different processes, then all of a sudden you you save time, you become more efficient. So I really, really like that stuff. It snowballs for sure. Right. So to that, in that scenario, I wouldn't say I'm a control freak, but I like having you know my finger on it and paying attention to it. But at the same time, in order to grow a business, you have to start taking your finger off stuff. You can set the processes in place and you can monitor them, but you can't control everything. You can't grow. And I think it's an issue that the majority of small business owners have is it's hard to take yourself out of it. You have to start trusting other people to make decisions is really what it comes down to. And so I have put a couple of my employees in particular in positions where they not make decisions. They're not just in charge. They make decisions. That's great. First of all, I want to say thank you so much for doing the podcast. I greatly appreciate it. I do have an unpopular food opinion. I think In-N-Out is overrated. I think it's only okay. I don't think I've had enough to have a, a huge opinion on it, but when I've had it, I've definitely enjoyed it. But a lot of that is like they get you to think you're going to enjoy it before you ever do. And kudos to them because that's definitely in their advertising plan if I had to guess. So <laughs> I can't offer a strong opinion on it. All I can say is I've enjoyed it, but I've only had it like two or three times. And the last time I had it was like, I don't know, eight or 10 years ago. So what the hell did I know? Also, I, I would just like to say this is a little embarrassing for me, but I posted your cookies and they didn't perform well, but fair enough. It, it's not your cookies fault. I think it's because if you look through my page, I literally never post dessert ever. Like I think probably the last time I posted dessert was probably like a year and a half ago. Honestly, it was like this smoked s'mores thing, whatever. And I, I just wanted to apologize to you that the post kind of bombed, but oh, I don't care. Okay. Cause I, I was like, dude, I was so anxious to talk to you. I'm like, if he checked my stats before the podcast, oh man, I was so nervous about yeah, it. I, I, I don't follow that stuff like very closely at all. Like I pretty much follow like our content and like, I see how it's doing. But one of the things I've learned, especially like when monitoring my numbers, whether it's sales or how content's doing, like it ebbs and flows. And sometimes there's just no reason for sales going up or down or content performing well. I don't know. So I, I, I tend not to early on, I would live and die by every pre-sale. Like, oh my God, they're down 10%. Like this company's going to fail. And then, you know, two weeks later, you're, you have a record week. Like, oh, okay. Like yeah, it dude. just happens sometimes. That's true. It's like a roller coaster. Cause like literally it, I, I posted a picture of cheesy fries, a video of me picking up some cheesy fries and it literally got a million views, which is crazy. Okay. And then I post these amazing cookies and I thought it was pretty good content. And it got like, it only reached like 10,000 people, which was like soul crushing for me. I don't know. Maybe I'm shadow banned. Maybe I should just delete my account and give up. What do you think? <laughs> I think you're good. I think you're good. <laughs> No, I'm kidding. All right. It's, it's just tough. There's no answer for it sometimes. That's true. Well, thank you for being so gracious about it. Cause you know, it could have been upsetting to you that I posted. No, dude. I mean, you posted it. So like, wow. I, I could, if you got one, like great, <laughs> you know, that, that's, that's one more like than I had posting my own content. I love that. Well, Bradley, yeah. I think we did the darn thing. Thank you. Yeah. So much for doing yeah no problem. Let's stay in touch.